Today we're going to be looking in Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to look in verse number 27. So I, it's not a, a passage of scripture or a book we turn to that often. Uh, so if you're wondering where that is and you have your Bible, you can go to right to the middle of your Bible and turn right a little bit. And so you're going to run into the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 27. We're going to look at those verses in just a few moments. Uh, but today we are continuing our series, Unshakable, The Call to Be Different. And uh, one thing that we are going to be focusing on for the rest of this month is that God calls his people to live differently, to be different than the, than the rest of the world, the rest of the people that are around us. Uh, last week we saw that one of the ways that God calls us to be different is he calls us to be different and that he calls us to be the bigger person. Now, that, that one, I told you all last week, that one's a struggle for me because I like being the smaller person. But God wants us to be the bigger person. Now, today we see that God also calls us to be different in this way. And that God calls us to be a people that, that is different than everybody else because we have a hope in Him. Now, it, it's very easy to be hopeful about things, but for a lot of people, it is very easy to also lose that hope. Uh, I, I saw this story. I, I thought it was, I, I love this story. I thought it was funny. Uh, there was a mother that was driving her, she was driving her six-year-old daughter to school. And as she was driving her to school, she looked back in her rearview mirror and she saw her daughter pick up her stethoscope and put it on. And so the mother, as soon as she saw that, I mean, she just had this, uh, you know, this, this overwhelming sense of pride. She was looking at her daughter and she's thinking, my daughter is going to grow up and be a doctor just like me. And she was just beaming, but that, that, that smile quickly faded away when she looked in the mirror and she saw that little girl. She took that stethoscope and she put it up to her mouth and said, hello, this is McDonald's, may I take your order? <laughs> now, uh, yeah, I don't know, I, I like that story. Somebody told me that's not appropriate, but I thought it was funny, so I don't care. Uh, so I thought it was hilarious. Now, that lady, she had this hope up here but then reality hit, and her hopes and her dreams were crushed. Now, there are a lot of us as people, you know, we, we, we feel that way. You know, we have all these hopes about our expectations, our desires, what we want to see happen, what we believe the future is going to be, and then all of a sudden life just comes in, and it just absolutely squashes the hope that we have. Now, as believers... Here's the thing, as believers, God has always called his people to be a people of hope. He, he wants you to be a people that are different than everybody else because we have a God who has a future in mind and in store for you. And so today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see the prophet Isaiah addressing a group of people who were, who were hopeless. You know, a group of people who had, they had met life head on. They, they saw what life had to offer. Let me tell you something. They were really disappointed. And so they were people that were not very hopeful. But Isaiah said, I have some encouragement for you. And that is that in the midst of your hopelessness, that God offers to renew your spirit, to renew your life so that you can be a people that stand out from everybody else. And so that's why we're going to look today in Isaiah 40, uh, verse number 27. And uh, just a little bit of background information. 
Isaiah was one of the, one of, of course, one of the great prophets in Scripture. Uh, if you read through the book of Isaiah, uh, you will see that in the book of Isaiah, there's a lot of prophecies about the coming birth of Jesus. This book was written 700 years before the birth of Christ. As a matter of fact, next month, you know, we're, we're, I mean, we're, we're moving into the Christmas season, and we're going to look in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah's chapter, I believe chapter 7 or 9, uh, it's, there's a prophecy that is made that there is going to be a Messiah who will be born in the town of Bethlehem. So typically, whenever we think of Isaiah, we think of Christmas. Uh, the book of Isaiah oftentimes is called the Gospel of Isaiah. But he was a man who wrote this book, and he wrote this book in order to give hope. And the people in this scripture that were being written to, y'all, they needed hope. Uh, they, they needed to have their spirits renewed. And he shared, Isaiah shared with them how that was possible. And so what he shared with them, it applies to you today as well. God wants to renew your spirit. So how does that happen? Well, when I look in our scripture, a few things I notice, and we'll be brief today, but a few things I notice. First of all, your spirit can be renewed when you know this, when you know that God sees it all. God sees everything. He knows what's going on in life. If you look in verse number 27, Isaiah wrote, Jacob, why do you say, and Israel, why do you assert my way is hidden from the Lord, and my claim is ignored by my God. And then Isaiah responded, he said, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never grows faint or weary, and there is no limit to his understanding. Now, if you go back to verse number 27, he calls out, he calls out to Jacob. You might say, well, who's Jacob? Well, Jacob, if you are familiar with uh, the Old Testament and the beginning of, of Scripture, he's one of the great forefathers of the Jewish people. And so because of that, whenever he had kids, oftentimes the kids that were known as the people of Jacob. Now, later on in Jacob's life, God changed his name. Any of you all remember what, what God changed his name to? He changed, na- changed his name to Israel. And so whenever we're talking about Jacob here, when it's mentioned, he is speaking to the people of Israel. Now, if you look in verse 27 and 28, what were the people of Jacob doing? Well, if you look back in verse 27, here's what they're saying. They're saying this about God. My way is hidden from the Lord. My claim is ignored by my God. You know, you know what they're doing in verse 27? It's real, real simple. They're griping. Okay, they're complaining. God doesn't see me. When I pray to God, what God is doing, God is ignoring me. And now the reason why they feel that way, the reason why they they feel as though they are hopeless is because of where they are. They are in the midst of Babylonian captivity at this time. They feel like they've been left by God. And they thought, man, we're praying to God, we're praying for deliverance, all these different things, and nothing's happening. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like that that you are hidden from God? That God doesn't even know where you are? Have you ever felt like that, that you pray to God, you ask God for certain things, and you're like, I think he's ignoring me. Yeah, and I'll be, I, I feel that way. 
You know, there are times whenever things don't go my way, I'm amazed at how quick I am to gripe. I cannot stand gripers. And I'm the biggest hypocrite there is. Y'all, I'm a big griper. If I don't feel well, and I pray, and I'm like, God, I don't feel good, make me better. If I don't get better immediately, God is, he's ignoring me, right? I'm like, of all people that should not be sick, it's me. Because, God, I've got to be like a really, you've got to really like me. And so I just, I complain to God about stuff. Uh, if, I, if I lift up prayers to God, and I'm, I'm sure I'm just like you, I've prayed certain things, and I've prayed for certain ways for God to move in the lives of, of friends and in the lives of my children, and if I don't see it immediately, I get frustrated at God. I'm thinking, God, what, what's going on? Why, why don't you know what's happening? And whenever I feel that way, I, I look into Scripture and I think, oh my gosh, I am just like the people that are being written about in this passage of Scripture. I, I'm like these people in that, in that there are times whenever we feel like God doesn't know me and God doesn't care about me. But I do find it intriguing that the Jewish people felt this way. They felt like that God had ignored them, that God had abandoned them, that he was ignoring their prayers. But, but it's not that God had abandoned them. They abandoned God. Remember, the, you, you know why they're in captivity? Did you know that for hundreds of years, God had sent prophets to tell the people of Israel, hey, y'all need to get your stuff together. You're, you're worshiping other gods. It's time for you to repent. You need to turn back to me. And here's how the people responded. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to continue to live like we want to. We're going to continue to do what we want to do. And so what ended up happening? Well, God said, okay. You make that choice. That's the way you want to live. And God removed himself from the people. He removed his hand of blessing from the people of Israel. And where did they end up? Well, they ended up in captivity. Do you know know the same thing still happens? You know, whenever we ignore God and we don't pay attention to Him and we make decisions that we're going to live like we want to live, God is going to move His hand of blessing from us and say, you go your own way and let's see where it gets you. He says something, there's not anything that's hidden from God. God is not ignoring His people. It's that we are ignoring Him. And we are not paying attention to what he has to say. And if you, if you look in Scripture and see who our God is, y'all, it's absurd for us to think that God can't see, see us, that he doesn't know everything. I mean, we're told this in Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. It says, The word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it says this, It's able to judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. No creature is hidden from God. All things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now there's a couple of things about this. That verse, there's one side of that that's a little bit frightening, that God sees everything. He sees everything about you. Now I I don't know about y'all, that makes me a little nervous. But there's another side to that that gives me joy. And that is this. God sees me. God, God sees you. Isn't that good news? God sees you. He, he's not, you are not hidden from the sight of God. He knows where you are. And there's something very assuring in knowing that God is keeping a record of everything that's happening. 
You know, I, I have shared this with y'all before. I, I, do, I watch television. I'm not saying it makes me smarter or anything. Uh, but some of my favorite shows are reality shows. Now, I'm not talking about Bachelor or Bachelorette. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about there's this, my, one of my favorite shows is on the History Channel. And it drives my wife crazy because I love to watch it because it's so not me. But the name of the show, it's called Alone. Have any of y'all ever heard of the show Alone? Okay, there's a couple of us. Yeah, yeah, you guys are smart. And so on that show, here's what they do. They take people, like 10 contestants, and they drop them like in the wilderness of Canada is generally where it is, and they say, good luck, and they just leave you by yourself. Now, they'll give you a couple of tools, and whoever survives out there the longest wins. Okay, that is a show I'm done, like after 30 minutes. And so it's cold out there. They put him out there. There was one guy in the show, and I remember while I was watching it, his tool that he had was an axe. He cut down a tree, and, y'all, he built the coolest canoe out of that with an axe. I mean, he actually got in it and fished out of it and caught fish. I mean, I, I was blown away by that. I mean, if that was me, I would be, I'd be the guy, I'd like knock a tree down, and I'd be like laying on the log going, how do y'all like my canoe? This guy, I mean, he built a real canoe. It was phenomenal. Uh, another lady that was on the show, she built a shelter, and she built a stone fireplace with a chimney, and it worked. Like, how, and are y'all not like amazed? I'm amazed by this, and y'all are just like look at me like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, it was like incredible. Uh, and then uh, there was another guy that I was watching. He got bored, and so he made his own football game. Uh, out of, he made him out of these little pieces of wood and stuff, and he had these competitions, and he, he played, and it, I mean, just to pass the time. Now, now, that guy, it was interesting. These people are really gifted people, but you know why most of those people end up leaving the show, other than the fact that it's really hard? They get lonely. Uh, just after a period of time, the guy that made the football game, he's like, I'm tired of playing myself. <laughs> I was like, really? He's like, who won? Uh, so he just he got he got totally bored with it, but you know that's what that's what happens. They, they they felt alone. They didn't feel like there was anybody to share life with them. That's the people in our text. They felt alone. And then Isaiah said, "Oh, you can be different. You're not alone. You're different. Because God sees you." Matter of fact, in Proverbs fifteen three, it says, "The eyes of the Lord are everywhere." You see, so whenever you feel abandoned, your spirit can be renewed because God sees it all. But your spirit can also be renewed because of this, and that is God doesn't just see it, but God also, he gives strength. Now, who does he give strength to? Now, look with me in verse 29. It says, he gives strength to the weary, and he strengthens the powerless. The, The people who are in captivity... They're worn out. They're at their wit's end. They feel hopeless. They're so desperate. If you look in verse number 27, they're questioning, hey, where is God in the midst of all our troubles? Now, here's what had happened. There was a king, the king of Babylon, who had gone in to Jerusalem, and he took the people captive. But when he went there, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. Y'all know that name? So King Nebuchadnezzar goes in there, and he goes to the temple of Jerusalem and he just absolutely knocks it down stone by stone. It is destroyed. Now, that was devastating to the people of Israel because that, that is the place where God lived. God's presence was in that temple. So whenever Nebuchadnezzar knocked down that temple, he said, God's gone. God doesn't have a place to live anymore. And they felt hopeless. And so they end up now in captivity. And they, they are a people because of that. They feel like God, God is gone. 
And then Isaiah says, you feel that way, but let me tell you something. God gives strength to the weary. God builds up and strengthens the powerless. You know, sometimes our strength has to be taken away so that we can see where the real power comes from. The Israelites had placed all of their confidence in themselves. They lived for themselves. They made decisions themselves. They put God on the sidelines. And what ended up happening is they ended up in captivity. And all of a sudden they realized, man, we are not as strong as we thought we were. And it's then when they recognized their weakness, they realized that their only real hope was God. Paul knew this. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament wrote about this in his own life. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But God has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. You know, I, I fight this all the time. I fight God's power working in me all the time because, you know, I, in my life, I want my life to matter. I want it to count. I want to live with power. But I've learned this. The harder I try, the worse it gets. You, have, you, have, you, have you learned that? When you try really hard, I'm going to do this. It just doesn't work. It's like, it's like golf. Any of you all play golf? You know, I think every golfer I know, when they play golf, one thing they want to do, they want to hit the ball farther. Everyone wants to hit the ball farther. They get on that tee box, they're going to crush it. And here's what I've learned. And I, I'm, you know, I'm the same way. I'm a terrible golfer. I'm the same way. I get up there, I'm going I'm to kill this golf ball. And so when I do that, I just about choke the life out of the club. And I just, you know, and, I'm, and it looks like I, it looks like I am, I am a, you know, hammering a nail the way I swing the golf club. But I'm swinging as hard as I can. But, you know, whenever you do that, you tense up all your muscles and, and you just make it where you don't hit the ball as far whenever you are trying to do it all in your own power. Well, that's, that's exactly what Isaiah is saying here. He's saying trying to do it all on your own does not increase your effectiveness. It's only whenever you surrender yourself to the power of God that you make enough room for God to work in you so that you can see his power. The Israelites have been trying to do it on their own for a real long time, and it didn't work out very well. They feel abandoned. And so Isaiah wrote to them, and he says, Listen, God is willing to give you strength and power when you'll trust in him. So, what do we learn today? Well, your spirit can be renewed when you know God, God sees it all. Your strength can be renewed, or your spirit can be renewed when you know God gives strength. And then finally, your spirit can be renewed when you lean on God, when you actually trust Him. Now, look with me in verses 30 and 31. It says, Youths may faint and grow weary, young men stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You know, one thing that I've, that I've always heard my, my whole life is, hey, you need, to, you need to learn how to wait on God. And, uh, and I, I understand the sentiment. You know, people like, whenever you're making a decision, a big decision, you wait on God and do what God tells you to do. Well, I'm not good at waiting. And so I kind of wait for a little bit. I'm like, I'm not seeing anything happening. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to help God out a little bit. And I'm going to go ahead and just make a decision and start walking in a particular direction. And then, yeah, I kind of get the ball rolling, helping God out. Now, that's not, God doesn't need my help. Um, and when I do that, what I'm doing is I'm saying that, I, God, I trust myself more than you. Now, now, verse number 30, it points out the futility 
of doing that, of trusting in yourself, of leaning on your own abilities. Here's what Isaiah wrote. He said this about young people. He said, young people get faint, they grow weary, they stumble, and they fall. Now, I look at that and I think, well, that doesn't sound right. Young people don't do that. Who does that? Old people, right? Young people don't stumble. Old people stumble and fall. What's he talking about here? Here's what what I believe. He is speaking of young people who tend to bite off more than they can chew. Because we look at ourselves and say, I'm young. I'm, I'm, I'm strong. I can handle all of this stuff all by myself. And and what Isaiah was saying, when you live like that, what you were doing is you were overestimating your abilities. Young people, it's so easy for us to, not us, for y'all, it's easy for young people to to look at things and say, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm always going to have this much energy. I'm always going to have this much strength. When I make this decision, I'm going to be able to power through it because I'm young. And all of us older people are looking back going, "Mm mm-hmm, you just wait. There's going to be a day where you're going to wake up sore one day. There's going to be a day when your body doesn't work like you think it does. Uh, I've already been down this road before, and I've seen how when I walk in my own ways, it does not work. You see, when you walk in your own wisdom, you will stumble and fall. It's only in the strength of the Lord that you can even survive this world. Again, that's what Paul referred to whenever I read 2 Corinthians earlier. Here's the beginning of it. Paul wrote, so so that I would not exalt myself, he said, a thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so I would not exalt myself. And concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. Paul learned that strength comes when you trust in the Lord, not yourself, but when you trust in the Lord. It's why verse number 31 tells us, those who trust in the Lord will have their strength renewed. That word renewed, it means to exchange. Uh, It's speaking of a person taking their old dirty clothes and exchanging them for new clothes. For for believers, it's us taking our our own dirty leadership and saying, God, I'm not going to lead myself anymore. I'm going to exchange that for your leadership. I'm going to exchange my ways, God, for your ways. I want you to lead lead me. And it's then you're going to see God's power when you trust him. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, y'all, when it comes down to it, as we go through life, here's the deal. If you're living by yourself, making your own decisions, you're flying blind all through this life. You know, we like to think that we, we know what's going on. We like to think we know what's going to happen tomorrow. Y'all, we don't have a clue what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week, and we sure don't know what's, what life's going to be like a decade from now. We have absolutely no idea. Life is full of uncertainties, and when you come to that realization, that's a scary place to be. When you really come to the realization, I have no control over future events, that is frightening. But it's not frightening when you know God does. You know, that, that's how I can make it through life. It's like, I don't know what's going on here, 
but I'm just trusting that God knows what's happening. And so I'm going to follow him. You know, I remember when there was a special on, on CBS about blind skiers, snow skiers. And so they had these guys, that they're blind, and they're, they're slalom skiing down a mountain. Now, you know, the way they were able to do it is they had a sided skier that was behind them. And so they would come up, you know, like to those gates. Uh, the, the sided skier would say, left. The skier would go left. He'd say, right. He'd go right. And they were going through, all through the gates. And they were, those that were really good, I mean, they just they made it all the way down the mountain. I was like, well, that's, that's impressive. Now, if you're going to do that, you've got to trust the guy who can see, Right? Now, you might say, oh, I'm not going to trust that guy. I'm going to try to get down that mountain all by myself. It's, it's not going to go very well. But they trusted the sighted skier. Now, in a very, very real sense, that, that's the picture that Isaiah is painting here. He says, those who trust in the Lord. That word trust, it means to wait. Instead of flying blind through life, it is waiting on the Lord to give you instruction. And as soon as he gives an instruction, you're going to react to it and follow it. That's exactly what the people in this book had not done. And because of it, they were in captivity. Seventy years of exile in Babylon. They lost their homeland to foreign rule. Their temple was destroyed. I, mean, I think it's pretty easy to look at that and say, well, you know, them doing things in their own power did not work out very well. And some of you might say, you know what, I feel like I'm in exile in my life right now. Maybe you've made choices, and now what's happening is you're living with the consequences of those choices. You've been leaning on yourself for years, trusting yourself, and, and because of it, here's what I've seen so many times, because of the decisions we make on our own, I've seen marriages that are broken. I've seen people who are struggling, and so they self-medicate, making their own decisions, and their life is an absolute wreck. I've seen people who look so good, they look good. Y'all, there's so many people who look so right on the outside. But on the inside, they're a train crash. And they are not living with any sort of peace whatsoever. And, and some of you might say, you know, that's me. And you realize I have built my life on a house cards and it's going to come tumbling down and I feel hopeless okay here's the good news God will renew you he will make you different than everybody else because he takes broken people and he restores them you know what? Renewal can happen in your spirit when you know God sees it all. He sees everything about you. But He doesn't just see it. Renewal can happen in your life because not only does God see it all, but God will give you strength. And your spirit can be renewed when you trust that and you lean on God. Now, Here's a question just for you to think about. Do you need to be renewed in your life? You know, as, as you kind of go through life, do you look at your life and say, life has ground me down. I'm worn out. And I'm tired. And I don't see a whole lot of hope. Okay, now if that is you, that, 
you're, you're speaking like everybody else, like the world. But listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You tired? You know, some of you are Christians, and you are, you are beat up and worn out because of life. Let your spirit be renewed today. Thank you.